Well, as you can see, we had another great year here at uh, Anderson Hills United Methodist Church. One of the things that we didn't have a slide up there for was on Christmas Eve, uh, you gave to the uh, WASH uh, program over $60,000 on one night. That's pretty impressive. Uh, attendance, giving, our ministries, our outreach, all positive growth. Lives are being changed and God has certainly been at work. Well, today is my annual State of the Church message. I want to talk about our, our plans for 2020. And our objective is very simple. It's to help people to know Jesus and to grow in holiness and in healing. And there's three goals that we have set out to help us accomplish this. And the first one is this, to rebrand and to reopen the, the Salem Church. As most of you know, we merged with Salem uh, last August, and we have felt God guiding us through this, uh, the, through the opportunity when it first came up. And our dream is that it becomes known as, as a church by the surrounding community as a place of, of hope, where lives can be restored by the, the love and healing power of Jesus. A lot of our healing ministry is, is going to be located there. In fact, Dr. Bobby Cabot, that you met several years ago, is, is going to be actually relocating here to Anderson Township and bringing her healing ministry with her. Uh, pastor Sue Lee is going to be stepping down from her role as visitation pastor so that she can be freed up to be the campus pastor there at the Salem Church. And we're going to be working really closely with the recovery community. We want to be a resource for families uh, in that neighborhood. Our plan, and this is somewhat aggressive, I think we can do it, I hope we can do it, <laughs> is to have the building finished and reopened by the 1st of, of April. And in fact, we want to have our very first worship service there on Easter Sunday. Wouldn't that be cool if we can pull that off? Uh, our contemporary worship director, Eric, is recruiting musicians and vocalists uh, for a band. It's going to have sort of a less production and more of an acoustical, um, if you grew up in the 60s, uh, you'll know what I'm talking about, kind of a coffee house feel to it. So that's kind of what we're, we're looking at. We're going to need lots of ushers and, and greeters and, and audiovisual people uh, to help make this uh, work. We're going to have a Sunday morning uh, program up to sixth grade, and of course, um, we're going to have a great nursery. So we're going to be recruiting Sunday school workers to be there as well. Most importantly, uh, we want to make sure that we have a critical mass there on Easter Sunday, and so uh, we're going to uh, be recruiting about 20 of our families, especially families with grade school-aged children, to worship at Salem on that very first Easter Sunday. So if any of this sounds interesting to you, if you'd like to be a part of this and, and help out, uh, please be sure to let me know, and, and we'd like to, to see more folks who are willing to say, yes, count me in on that. So that's our first goal. Our second goal is to, is to, is to unleash a, a spiritual awakening both in, in this church and in our city. Uh, this is simply a continuation of last year's goal to fan the flames. Uh, since last year, we've discovered that God is on the move in our world to bring about this great awakening. Now, this may surprise some of you because a lot of the polling that's being done right now is, is that showing that, that young people especially are moving away from the church and moving away from faith. But we're really not finding that to be true. Now, there are some people who are Christian in name only who are 
opting out of the church, but the church still remains strong. And here at Anderson Hills, we're seeing a lot of you embracing a belief in the, in the supernatural power of God through the indwelling of the Holy Spirit to change our world and to bring physical and spiritual and emotional healing and wholeness. Over this past year, this church has joined up with several ecumenical prayer movements, such as the Burn and the Prayer Canopy, and for the first time in my 16 years here in Cincinnati, uh, area churches are, are coming together to work for some common causes like racism and uh, food reclamation project. Now while we're doing some, some great ministry with other local churches here, our own de denomination continues to have some theological and, and, and human sexuality issues to deal with. In fact, you may have seen over the weekend, it got a lot of media play, that there is yet one more plan for the separation of the United Methodist Church. I just want to say today, it's not a done deal. And they make it sound like it's over, but that's not true. All the plans, and there's lots of them out there, will be brought forward to our general conference, which is going to be in May. And there they'll be deb debated, and, and perhaps something will be voted upon. But even then, it will take several years to sort everything out. So if you saw that media uh, news and it worried you, please be assured, we're, we're going to keep you up to date and appraised. And no matter what the outcome is, this church will continue. We have 200 years of, of history here in this township. And we're going to continue to be a church for all people that offers the ministry of Jesus. And, uh, and that's not going to change. Now, while the United Methodist Church continues to fracture and decline in this country, uh, we have seen some incredible growth in other uh, places like Africa and the Philippines. In fact, the, the number of United Methodists increased from 3.5 million to, in 2010 to 6.4 million in 2017. And not only is the United Methodist Church growing around the world, but other denominations are seeing significant increases. In fact, so much increase that what we're beginning to see is that the center of Christianity is shifting. It's moving from Europe and North America, and it's shifting to the southern hemisphere. And I think that can be a good thing as God continues to bring uh, an awakening to our planet. And I want this church... I want Anderson Hills to be a part of that. I want to see us continue to have a positive impact for good in our city. In fact, to help us move in that direction, we've invited Dr. Randy Clark. He is the founder of the Global Awakening to be our weekend speaker on, in April 24th and 26th. We're going to be inviting other area churches to, to join us for this conference on the Holy Spirit. I hope that you will plan on coming as well. We're expecting God to do great things on this weekend. Well, our third goal is to begin investing even more in our small groups. Here's what we've discovered. Our small groups are the ones providing care and support, spiritual growth, and Bible study. And the more people that we have in small groups, we believe the more people will be growing. And so to do that, we need to have more leaders, and we need to have better trained leaders. Uh, better leaders equal better members. And so we have put together a, a plan to invest in our small group leaders. 
Uh, this past year, we took our leaders through two training modules, one of them called CORE, the other one called MODERN. These classes are teaching them about our core doctrines and, and how to ask good questions and, and how to deal with controversial cultural issues when they come up. I don't know if you've noticed, but, but that's becoming more of a thing. And as our fresh expressions continue to grow, we need to develop small groups for them to join as well. You see, our small groups, that's where spiritual growth, that's where discipleship is taking place. Now, maybe you wonder, well, what does that even mean? What does discipleship mean? Well, Jesus made it very clear. Um, when he ascended back into heaven before he left, he told his disciples, he said, go and make disciples of all nations. Well, how do we do that? Well, in the next verse, he tells us. He says, teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. Okay, what did Jesus command? Well, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, and to love your neighbor as yourself. And he says, all the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. You see, on the night before his crucifixion, after he had washed his disciples' feet, he said this. He said, my command is this. Love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, to lay down one's life for one's friends. And so you see, discipleship is, is really about learning how to love each other. Now, I'm not talking about warm and, and fuzzy feelings. I love warm and fuzzy feelings like everybody else, but what we're talking about here is a, a clear intention. It's about keen attention. It's about uh, a focused practice uh, over long periods of time to allow the gospel to begin to, to change us, to transform us into the very image of of Christ. Now the scripture is going to guide us in this year is, is found in Paul's letter to Ephesians uh, chapter 4. And he's been explaining how to grow towards maturity in the Christian life. And he encourages uh, uh, the, the church in Ephesus to leave the, the old life of greed and lying and stealing behind. He says now that you're following Christ, they need to reflect that in how they live. So he says, put off the old way of life, kind of like taking off old clothes that no longer fit. And he says, put on the new self. And this is what he says, beginning in verse 20. That, however, is not the way of life that you learned when you heard about Christ and were taught in him in accordance with the truth that's in Jesus. For you were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by deceitful desires. To be made new, listen, in the attitude of your minds. And to put on the new self created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. Did you hear that last verse? Created to be like God. <laughs> you are created to be like God. Now that should startle you. <laughs> your destiny is to be like God. That was God's original purpose for humanity. We, we lost it in the Garden of Eden when we decided to go our own way and to rebel against God's love. You see, and ever since then, God has been in the process of restoring and reclaiming that God image in you. God is reproducing his character in you. Where does it start? Look at verse 23. It starts where? In your Mind, he says, in your attitudes. British Anglican 
uh, pastor Nicky Gumbel says this. He says, our thoughts become actions. Our actions become habits. Our habits become our character. And our character becomes our life. You see, the journey towards holiness begins up here. Now, I don't know about you, but my mind is oftentimes a mess. Anybody else struggle with that? You don't have to raise your hands. It may be I'm the only one here who has that issue. But a lot of times it kind of feels like this is a battle is going on up here. And Paul says in verse 17, he says, Don't live as the Gentiles do in the futility of their thinking. See, when our thinking gets messed up, it affects our relationships. It affects our spiritual life. It affects our emotional life. Now, the word that Paul uses to describe the goal of reclaiming our God image, that word is holiness. And the process that God uses to to do that is called sanctifying grace. The old-time preachers called it Christian perfection. Now, they didn't use that word the way that we do do today. It's not about being perfect. Uh, I tried that. It doesn't work. (laughs) If your goal is to be perfect, good luck. What it's really about is authenticity. It's about integrity. In a word, it's about love. And what I've discovered is that, that, I, uh, that a lot of healing needs to take place up here inside of me from the damage done from what Paul says was our former way of life in order for me to move on towards holiness. And what we need healing from are the lies that we've been told. And Paul says in verse 25, he says, put off falsehood. So what are those lies that we've come to believe? Well, things like, God doesn't love you. God doesn't care about you. God isn't with you. Your, your life has no purpose. You're worthless. You aren't good enough. And when we begin to believe those lies, we began to search for, for ways to comfort ourselves and to escape the pain that they bring. Uh, we search for ways to, to deal with, with the hurt inside. Paul lists some of them in verse 31. He says, bitterness, rage, anger, brawling, gossip, uh, addictions, binge eating, fear. I mean, you fill in the blank, whatever it is for you. And so in order for us to drown out the, the lying voice of the enemy, we have to embrace God's truth about us. In verse 25, Paul says, That, however, is not the way of life that you learned when you heard about Christ and were taught in him in accordance with the truth that's in Jesus. In other words, we need to tune in to the, lo- to the loving voice of God. God will speak truth to you if you will listen. In John's Gospel, uh, Jesus says about the Holy Spirit, he says, But when he, the Spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all the truth. And so the role of the Holy Spirit is to speak God's truth to us so that we can hear things like, you are loved, I am with you, I do care about you, you are my child. And when you and I, when we begin to believe that truth instead of the lies that we've been told, guess what happens? We begin to love ourselves. We begin to to love others. Paul says, Follow God's example, therefore, as dearly loved children. Do you believe that? Did you know that you are a dearly loved child of God? It's true. 
And he goes on and he says, And walk in the way of love, just as Christ loved us and gave himself for us as a fragrant offering and a sacrifice to God. Remember what we learned a few minutes ago about discipleship? It's about learning how to love each other. That's the goal. That's what holiness is. That's why healing and holiness go together. And so I find that the more I listen to God's truth in the Scriptures, and the less that I, I listen to the lies of the world, the less anxiety I have, the less fear that I have, the less shame, the, the less guilt, and the more freedom I have to be who God created me to be and the more love I have for others and for God. It's changing me. I'm not the same person that I once was. And that's true for a lot of you here today. You are experiencing the, the, the same freedom and, and love that God is offering us through the healing ministry. I can't wait to see what God is going to do in, in the year to come. Well, this year we're celebrating the 200th anniversary of the founding of this congregation 200 years ago in, in 1820, we started off in a log cabin on Eight Mile Road. And God has been using this church for generations to be a blessing to this community. I'd like for us to continue to build upon that legacy by joining in what God is doing here. And so I want to invite you to use your gifts, to, to use the talents and, and the time that God has given you to to move forward and to begin making a difference in this community. Maybe you would like to help with the Salem Project. Maybe you would like to, to be a small group leader. Maybe you'd like to be a part of the, our prayer movement and the spiritual awakening that's, that's going on here and in Cincinnati. I would love to hear from you. Let's jump in and, and let's find out what God is doing and let's become a part of that. But more importantly, let's commit ourselves in the new year, to this way of love. You see, I think our world is dying, dying to see what a genuine and authentic Christ-centered life looks like. Let's do that for the sake of the world and for the sake of the gospel. Amen.